This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 237, and I'm talking with Anna Turner. She's a sports dietitian with St. Vincent Sports Performance, and this is just a little bonus episode for you. I don't know if people are listening to more or less podcasts during this quarantine time while we try to flatten the curve for... COVID-19, but I thought people might enjoy a bonus episode. So here it is. Anna has been on the podcast before. She was episode 218, and I'm excited to have her back on the show this time. This time we did a call out for listener questions. So we cover a wide variety of topics in this episode. One of the things we talk about is intermittent fasting. Of all the questions people submitted, that was one of the top questions. So she answers questions on that, her thoughts and feelings on that. We talk about iron levels a little bit and some other basic nutrition information for all the runners and active people out there. St. Vincent Sports Performance is where I go for athletic training and anything else that pops up when I have an injury or anything at all. That is where I am always going to go. They have a great staff over there. They work with both Olympic caliber athletes as well as everyday athletes every single day. And they have sports dietitians, physical therapists, athletic trainers, sports doctors, everything you need. They have a one-stop shop for the athlete. And if you are a runner, you can benefit from their services, not just here in Indianapolis, but Anna specifically offers online. Anna specifically hosts online runners nutrition courses. She has one going on right now and there's going to be another one going on soon. We will put the link to sign up for her runners nutrition course in the show notes of this episode at lindsayhine.com. Topics for that course include nutrient periodization, intuitive eating for athletes, race day nutrition, recovery nutrition, build your fueling schedule, hydration and electrolytes, nutrient powerhouses and putting your skills to practice. This is a great course that Anna's offering. They're going to be finishing this course up soon and another one will be offered coming up here in May. So go to the show notes, lindsayhine.com to learn more about those courses and check out what Anna has going on with St. Vincent Sports Performance. All right, friends, I hope you're getting through this week okay and I hope that you are not just in survival mode, but you are trying to thrive as well. I know that's really difficult depending on what your life circumstances might be right now. Um, Sometimes I feel completely underwater with my kids, but I'm trying to be super positive and know that though this feels really weird and hard, that a lot of us are in ideal circumstances where we can be at home and stay safe and I just want to say thank you to everybody who's working in healthcare, those who are working in grocery stores, any essential business that is staying open. I want to thank everybody who is out there working and doing what needs to be done while the rest of us stay home and stay safe and keep other people from getting sick as well. So thank you so much if you are one of those people. We appreciate you and are so thankful for you. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And 
Take a screenshot, share on social media, and let Anna know that you enjoyed the episode. Anna's Instagram is Anna, that's Anna with two N's, A-N-N-A, Turner underscore sports nutrition. Let her know what you think and feel free to hit her up with any questions you have about sports nutrition. She's a great resource. All right, everybody. Enjoy my conversation with Anna Turner. Hey, everybody. I'm here with sports dietitian Anna Turner, and we are going to record a little podcast. Uh, last time we did this, we did a Facebook Live, so we're going to do it again today. Let me just get our camera set up here. I feel like it's more on me than you. Here we go. Okay. So um, welcome to the podcast, everybody. I've been doing some work with St. Vincent Sports Performance for a little while now, and we had Anna Turner on the show a couple months ago now. it's Time's gone by fast. It has. Uh, lots of great feedback from the episode. So welcome back, Anna. Thank you for yeah, having me. Yeah, I'm excited to do this again. And um, last time we covered an array of topics, but we had listeners and people on Instagram uh, write in with questions this time. So we're just going to dive right into some listener questions and and um, get right into it. So um, one of the first things that people were asking about, actually the most common question was intermittent fasting, which intermittent fasting is such a I feel like it's a trend. <laughs> um, I'm not interested in intermittent fasting because I wake up hungry and I want to eat right away. Mm -hmm. uh, but can you kind of just explain what it is and give us all your thoughts and feelings on it? Sure, sure. Um, so yes, the number one question submitted through Instagram was, what about intermittent fasting? Can I do this? Will it help me? Um, so I think the first question first is, what is intermittent fasting? Um, and intermittent fasting, there are multiple ways in which you can do it, but the most common is to stop eating somewhere around um, six or seven in the evening and then not eat until noon the next day. Um, and then there are also times where you can do longer fasts, such as like a 24-hour fast. Um, I think the first question to ask yourself is, what are you hoping to achieve? So what is the goal behind I'm considering intermittent fasting. Okay, what are you hoping to achieve? What are you wanting to learn about yourself? Um, you know, is that weight loss that you're interested in? Is it fat, ad fat adaptation in order to run longer um, with less fuel? You know, what is the goal behind this? Um, and then we can, you know, kind of figure out is it appropriate or is it not? Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, it is a fad diet. Um, and it is another diet. Um, so I think continuing to shift away from diets and more into, um, fueling for performance, fueling for a healthy lifestyle is really the main goal. So anything again, that seems like a short term fix, I really wouldn't promote. Um, so Go ahead. No, Mike. And my question too is like, well, I think it just totally moves us away from the whole thought of intuitive eating and listening to our bodies because there's no way if I'm going to wake up in the morning and not be hungry before mm -hmm. 11, 12, 1. If someone wants to do it, I would say do it alongside journaling. So for example, um, post um, my first baby, so post Augie, I decided to try it um, because that's kind of when it was really getting popular. 
And I say that, that I decided to try it, meaning I did it being highly aware of what's happening. So I'm not just, you know, strictly following these rules, no matter what I'm following this diet. I'm seeing how it goes and also really journaling what's occurring. So a couple things there, you know, what did I learn about myself? Um, Well, what I learned is that oftentimes I want to, I find myself in the pantry, you know, after seven or eight o'clock at night when I may not be actually hungry. So that's, you know, having an external rule saying you can't eat past seven or eight because you're intermittent fasting. Some people um, like the idea of that external rule. So again, I think it's something that you can think about. Like, does that change your thought process when you get to the pantry? Do you think to yourself like, no, I can't eat that because I'm not supposed to because I'm on this diet? Or does it help you like clue into the fact that wow, I'm actually not hungry right now. <clears throat> maybe maybe that's the reason maybe I shouldn't be eating at night because I had a really good dinner. I'm not really hungry. So that's more the intuitive eating side. I usually so, brush my teeth. <laughs> brush your teeth. Yeah, because yeah, I'm like, I'm done for complete. the night. complete. I'm not going to brush yep. again because right. that's just a lot of work. <laughs> that's a really good one. Um, so again... If you want to try intermittent fasting, you know, it's it's not my job to tell you, no, you can't do that. Um, I think the most important thing is that you're learning along, you're learning with whatever you're doing so that you can learn when you wake up in the morning and your stomach's growling that maybe you shouldn't wait till noon to eat. So I think that <clears throat> that's the most important thing is that you're learning alongside it and not just listening to these external rules and having those rules dictate your nutrition. You should be the one in charge of your nutrition and your body telling you when and how much to eat. Yeah, I just I just feel like if you're hungry, you should eat. You really should. And it really <laughs> is that simple. Yeah. Which is, it's just really, uh, it's a confusing time because yeah. more than ever, I think I, maybe more than ever, I'm recognizing all the diet culture because my practice continues to be pushed more into intuitive eating. Um, So I think I'm just hyper aware right now of all the diet culture, um, just everything that you take in on a daily basis, whether it's ads on the radio or walking through the store and seeing um, advertisements that are reminding you of and giving you these subtle hints of diet culture. For example, so I follow Molly Seidel oh, on yeah. Instagram yeah. Uh-huh. and um, she's an athlete that was at Notre Dame when I was a sports dietitian there. Who also just got uh, second place at the Olympic exactly. Marathon Trials. <laughs> she's an Olympian. So amazing. I get chills. Molly, come on the show. <laughs> um, but she posted on Instagram this shredded wheat, um, a shredded wheat cereal box because she was having a snack as she should. Um, but on the box it said one bowl and you're good till lunch. Mm. And I saw that picture and I was so mad. That's so annoying. Because that's that's recommending or suggesting that everybody has the same nutrition needs. Right. One bowl of cereal and you're good till noon, I'm good till noon, everyone is good till noon. And that's just not, that's not okay, right? No wonder people get confused with nutrition because we see messages like that <clears throat> and Again, it seems it seems 
like not a big deal, right? It's just an advertisement on a cereal box, but it really does make impressions in how we think about nutrition. Um, so again, that's just an example. Being aware of, you know, what, how are you deciding when and how much you're eating? Um, I hope it's something that you and your body are deciding and not the cereal box telling you, you get one bowl and that's it. Yeah. Um, well with intermittent fasting, I guess my biggest question based on what others have asked too, is like, what is, what is the overall purpose? I know that you are speaking on like people need to figure out why they want to do it for themselves, but why do, does the general population Mm -hmm. think this is a good idea? I think most people do it for the purpose of weight loss. Um, I think it has become more popular in endurance running and endurance sports in general for the fat adaptation part so that you can train your body to use less carbohydrates. Um, Most of this podcast population is female runners, I would guess. Yeah, probably. Well, I I mean, yeah, I mean, it's probably, I bet it's 70, 78%. Let's say that. (laughs) Um, Well, Stacey Sims has a lot of great research. I need her on the podcast and a reader book. You really do. She would be a great one. She sent me a message and I need to follow up with that. Um, Well, her research shows that intermittent fasting for females um, is not appropriate Um, something that's interesting is that females are already more fat adapted than men. So, which is why we tend to have more success in endurance sports, um, and why men may see more success from trying to do a fat, fat adaptation, um, where we're already conditioned a little bit more in that way. So pushing our bodies even further down that road doesn't really help us and actually drives stress hormone cortisol up. Wow. So we're putting an extra stress on our body. And if we're doing something like training for a marathon, that's already a pretty stressful, you know, stressful road that we're running. Um, So adding one more stress by this intermittent fasting can really lead to, you know, under recovery, potentially injury. But I think under recovery would be the biggest one. So I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I feel like you're not super keen on it. I, I... I think the most important thing you can do is learn about yourself. Yeah. So if you are dead set on doing intermittent fasting, I would highly recommend that you journal with it and you really reflect on what is occurring and how it's impacting your decision making, how it impacts your training, your recovery, everything that you think and feel about it. Um, because if you're not doing that, then you're just being told by a diet what to do. Yeah. I, I mean, that's something you advocate in general. Exactly. Journaling through, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what you're eating and whatnot. Um, someone asks, Lakin Renee 23 asks thoughts on intermittent fasting. If you're a morning workout person, I imagine that would Mm -hmm. be, I mean, if I go run at 6am, I won't eat before I run. Mm -hmm. If I go run at 9am, I need to eat like some peanut butter toast or something before mm-hmm. my run. Um, so I imagine it's a little bit simpler if you run at six or, or, or earlier, but I get back from my run at seven and I need to eat long before noon. Mm-hmm. That That's extra challenging. So how do you do that if you're a morning runner? Sure. So I think I go back to, you know, it, are you running at 6 a.m. consistently? So looking back at, you know, Stacey Sims research, basically, if you're doing if you are running without fuel consistently, it could create a rise in cortisol. So a rise in that stress hormone. So if you are the athlete who wakes up every single day, goes for 
a run at 6 a.m. and does not fuel every single day at 6 a.m., um, potentially it's continually rising your cortisol levels over time because you are constantly running on on a fast in a fasted state. So interesting. But if you're the person that your schedule kind of varies and maybe Mondays you run in the morning, the next day you run in the afternoon, the next day you run at nine. So if it's a little bit more varied than that, I would say let's not hyper focus on that 6 a.m. run yeah. and, and don't worry about it. Um, but again, if you're this person that it runs every single day at 5 a.m. or you're at the gym every single day um, that early, potentially a very small amount of carbohydrate could allow your body to recognize that you've got some fuel um, but not make you feel like, oh my gosh, I just ate breakfast yeah. at 5 a.m. So thinking really simple like an applesauce pouch or... So not even like a full breakfast. Just get no, some... No, this is snack time. Get some food in your body. Exactly. Just a little bit. This is snack time. Or a little bit of liquid because hopefully, you know, you're at your most dehydrated state in the morning. So maybe you take in a little bit of liquid you can. Just, you know, it doesn't even have to be a lot. Um, you've got some liquid to help get you out of that dehydrated state. A little bit of carbohydrate. Um, or like I said, like an applesauce pouch. Like that's the amount of food that you don't even feel in your stomach. You don't. Mm -mm. So... At least you know it's helping decrease that stress hormone, specifically in the female athletes. Um, there's more research showing some benefits in male athletes. Um, I generally have, if I do early, early morning, I do coffee with a healthy amount of cream and some, <laughs> and some milk. So I'm like, that's calories right it there. It is, so yeah. Get my blood sugar up a little bit. Um, but I like that you mentioned that too because I, I personally am like a – two day a week early early morning mm -hmm. and the rest of the time it's 9 a.m maybe 6 p.m like I'm kind of all over the place mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um, that's good to know that if it's not like an everyday thing you're probably sure. not needing to focus on it too much yep um and I get I man I'm look forward to what I get to eat after that run you know like during the run I'm looking forward to breakfast this beautiful breakfast exactly yes. toast and eggs and all the whatever things. your color is going to be. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on. Unless you have another uh, anything else on intermittent fasting, let's move on to the next. Yeah, I think um, Well, there was one other thing that I was going to loop in there was just um, so kind of back to um, like the eating late at night part. Um, I know sometimes runners really want that. Well, need um, maybe a late night snack. So keeping your late night snack um, more toward before eight o'clock, mm. which I would have to guess most tired marathon training runners are likely going to bed somewhere around 10. Yeah. You know, we're not the people staying up till 2 a.m. So you're saying like two hours before bedtime. <laughs> so keeping um, your late, yeah, dinner somewhere, maybe around six. And that's tough. Late night. Sure. Do you do dinner at six? <laughs> I would say we're not a consistent. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it and how many telehealth sessions do I have in the evening? Yeah. Is really, yeah, so dinner could be later. Um, so that's where you kind of flip-flop things. So think of your evening nutrition. Um, if you're having a later dinner, you have an earlier snack. Or if you're having an earlier dinner, you have a later snack. With the goal really of having fueling be done somewhere around 7.30, 8 o'clock. Um, so that by the next morning, you've allowed your circadian rhythm and your, um, which is our wake sleep cycle and your nutrition to be in sync so that your body can really gear down overnight and fully recover um, 
digestion recover, your muscles recover um, throughout the evening while we're sleeping. So again, that's really what I consider like the normal eating routine where we don't have to go to extremes like intermittent fasting. If we're in a normal eating routine where we shut things down by 7.30 or 8, we wake up the next morning somewhere around 6 and we're ready to eat um, or have a snack and run. So Jimmy John's at nine last night wasn't the best idea. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. I know. I know. Well, we're it's remodeling our kitchen you do so. every day. <laughs> so again, that's a big thing. Is this a trend I do or something I do every single day? Every day. Or is this just something that happens every now and then? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't regret it. It was really good. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that uh, there was a time there when uh, fasting on long runs was pretty trendy in the distance running space. Um, I never did it. My husband kind of would sometimes like he would, he would get up and run 20 miles and like not eat anything before. Um, and sometimes not even take gel or anything during the run. Um, and then there was a trend. It hasn't been for a while. I don't think, but where people literally weren't drinking on their runs Mm -hmm. either. And I just, I never thought that was healthy or safe. And the idea behind it was that when they raced, they they, adapted to that feeling. Well that, and then like the gel and the energy they give themselves gives them that extra, like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever they need for the race. And I always thought it was a terrible idea. Yeah, no, that is a terrible idea. (laughs) Why? Like, did you hear, see that happening? I understand what they're saying. Like if I can run at this pace Mm -hmm. in a, um, in a fasted state with no fuel, if I can do this amount of work with no fuel, when I essentially add the gas to the car during the race, I'm going to go so much faster, but we're really not um, getting as much out of our workouts Mm -hmm. as we can if we're not fueled. So if you're doing your workouts, but you can only go to 75% because you don't have enough fuel or because you're clinically dehydrated, um, then we're not getting those adaptations that occur 80%, 90% during your tempo runs and your long runs. So we're really not progressing forward. I Yeah, I'm that's glad, interesting. I'm glad that people have moved mm-hmm. for the most part on mm-hmm. from that. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, that sounds like a really dangerous one. I agree. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, alleviating GI stress on the long runs. That's like such a huge issue that runners have. Um, and I know there's a variety of different ways to tackle that, but maybe sure. just we'll start with that question. I think one of the first things would be assessing your hydration status because when I think of long runs, like let's think of this summer as people are, you know, maybe training for the monumental in the fall. Um, It's more, you know, as it continues to get hotter and hotter, we have to consistently change our hydration, um, what is normal for our hydration status and how we're fueling ourselves on our runs. So I think that's something that may change more than the amount of carbohydrates you're taking in during your run and something you should just be aware of. So let's say, you know, I ran eight miles this weekend and it was 60 degrees. Let's pretend it's June. I go run next weekend and it's 85 degrees. My hydration status needs to greatly change in how much fluid and electrolyte I take. And if it doesn't, I could dip into that clinically dehydrated state, which can then lead to GI distress. 
So that would be always the first question I ask someone is, do you have a really good hydration plan? Um, because if you don't, that could be the reason why you're experiencing some extreme GI distress, especially when it comes to long workouts um, versus like your shorter workouts during the week. Yeah. So, what, so that's, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what would, let's just talk about some like basic breakfast ideas that people could put into their bodies before a run that could potentially not cause GI stress. I know everybody is so individualized because we all have different food sensitivities, but. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it depends on how early you're getting up and when you're running as far as a breakfast idea. So that's where I always bring it back to like, yeah, the amount of food and how much time you have to digest. So again, that could also give you GI distress. If we're taking in too much food before we're trying to run and it isn't properly digested, um, or if we're not taking in enough and we're going to have a drop in blood sugar, um, there's, yeah, there's, it seems like there's a lot of things that can actually cause some GI distress. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting balance. Um, but the nice thing is, is that in order to get better at it, it's all about learning about your body. So if you wake up and you've got an hour before you're going to hit the run, um, we're really thinking about a snack there. So that could be like oatmeal, oatmeal mm -hmm. with some fruit or oatmeal with um, maybe a little bit of peanut butter or Greek yogurt just to, you know, stick with you a little bit longer. Um, if you wake up at six and you're not going to run till nine, we have three hours to digest. So that's really a full breakfast. So that could be your toast and eggs and fruit. Um, but if you're the person that's waking up at six and you're running at 630, we're really, you know, that would be an applesauce pouch or liquid with you can in it. That's really like the pre-workout snack time frame where we don't have enough time to digest a large snack or a full meal. So we really got to get something that's going to digest instantly and give us some more immediate energy. Tell me your thoughts on someone taking Imodium before a race. <laughs> I don't know anybody who does that. Maybe I do. <laughs> Um, that's I'm not a doctor or a dietitian, <laughs> so I don't recommend it, but it's a really good question. Um, I would say, is this Imodium needed during long runs or just race day? Yeah. So if, if it's needed during your long runs and your race day, then I think we really need to look at potential, um, yeah, just how are you feeling and what is upsetting or why are you having GI distress? your Imodium is simply needed for race day, then, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but it sounds like more of a, um, it's alleviating anxiety, maybe more than it is GI distress. Well, that, and I always feel like too, I'm like, well, if this can prevent me from having to make a bathroom stop, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> but I've always heard it could dehydrate you more because it kind of is, is it, is that what Imodium's doing is like drying you up? So like, do you, people who do that, and we're not saying this, that you should do this at all, but I'm just saying if people did Run do that. the risk of being. Yeah, like dehydrating mm -hmm. themselves. And I would have to venture that there would be some fluid balance shift right? because that's what it's meant to do yeah. is that in the GI system. So I would have to venture down that road, but I've honestly not yeah. really sat and thought about that for a moment. I would assume that more runners mm -hmm. than we realize are do are taking mm -hmm. Imodium. Yeah. Again, first thing is, is that something you need? on a date, like right. on a every long run, 
time or is that just a race day? If it's just a race day, then maybe find something else that allows you to reduce that anxiety. Mm -hmm. What is making you anxious? Is it, you know, that I might have to stop at the bathroom? Um, Can you take comfort knowing that you've ran the last 10 long runs, 10 weeks of long runs with no bathroom break? Like maybe reviewing like, oh man, I do have this. It's just my nerves that are, you know, working through those nerves and that anxious stomach. Um, and it may get better with every race, you know, the more experience. Um, so, um, one of the questions we have on here is, um, I don't, do we want to go through the list or do, do you care yeah. if I bounce around no, a little bit? Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to hit was iron because I feel like this is just something that runners constantly struggle with. Um, you know, I had Dr. Carrie on the podcast and we talked about iron stores quite a bit and, um, Actually, one of the sponsors for the podcast that pops in occasionally is Inside Tracker, and they test all your levels. And one of the things that they look at is your iron. Um, and when I say all your levels, I mean like a variety of different mm-hmm. uh, different nutrients. Level, nutrients and levels they check. Um, and then they give you, they tell you if it's optimized, or they tell you if you're like um, you need a little bit of work, and then they tell you if you like really need to go get it checked out to mm-hmm. you know maybe get iron supplements. Um, but anyway, that's always iron. Whenever I use their test, it's like my iron is always not optimized, but it's not in the red zone. And I'm always right there like, eh, you could use some work. Um, so let's just talk about iron stores and what we can be putting into our bodies to make sure that we are being proactive about mm-hmm. that. Sure. I think that's definitely one item that I would recommend for all runners. If you're someone who runs consistently um, or is training for a half or full marathon, that is the lab value that I would get tested at least on a yearly basis. If you're someone who is running, you know, several marathons, I would get tested every six months. Yeah. So just kind of keep that on your calendar. Because you can really get in the hole if you don't. You I really mean, can. You have to really dig yourself out if it's too low. It does. It takes it takes um, a little bit of time. It's not something that, you know, one week of supplementing will fix. So you definitely want to watch the trends over time and make sure that you're in a good place. Um, the most important thing is maintaining enough calories. Mm-hmm. So if we are under fueling, um, will likely lead to um, nutrient deficiencies and one of those could be iron. Um, so the runner would really experience that as chronic fatigue, high heart mm-hmm. rate. Um, you know, most of us have been there or experienced it at some point. So as a dietitian, the first thing that we would really assess is is this person in energy balance um, or do we really need to concentrate on getting calories where they need to be first before really looking at um, iron specific foods or supplementation? If we feel like they're in a really good place and they are at energy balance, um, then we can increase um, iron rich foods um, or offer supplementation um, as well. What are iron-rich foods? Let's just go through some of them. Yeah. So beans. um, Help me out, please. (laughs) (laughs) Beans are a really good one that I often. Spinach. What else? Um, I always heard liver. Uh, Well, yeah, obviously meat, right? (laughs) My fellow sitting here being like, Anna, just say meat. (laughs) But that's the thing is I don't eat meat. Uh Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Yep. So and I, yeah, and I, I think, think that's, that's why the vegetables too. pop into my head first because I often get that question because most people know that yeah, eat meat. 
something that is really nice is that our meal planning system eat love actually offers an iron specific diet oh so instead of the dietitian having to go through here and like plan out all your iron foods which takes a while yeah um and then you know you having to put them into a meal plan i can just simply put you on a iron supporting meal plan okay so i actually put my first runner um on that this week and I was really excited about it because this was a runner who doesn't handle iron supplementation well. So she has tried it. It, you know, increased her GI distress. Um, so she's just been, just been trying to get in. Oh, iron the supplements. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Because you hear that too. Yes, exactly. It, your it stomach can. can't handle the supplements. Yeah. yeah. Some people. I've never had an issue with iron supplements, um, but some people really have to try several different varieties you know such as ferrous sulfate or ferrous gluconate which one works for them um and and nothing was really working well for this lady so i was really excited that i had that resource to be able to put her on um that meal plan so each week she gets recipes that have those iron rich foods um built into them yeah last time we talked you guys were launching the program so Mm -hmm. now it's launched it is yep it's launched so yeah, it's a meal planning system, again, that, you know, sends you recipes based on your needs. So this lady specifically was an iron diet, iron specific, um, whereas other athletes might be more endurance focused or um, if you, you know, do have celiac disease, we have one for that. <clears throat> so it's it's a really nice resource that allows the dietitian to give you multiple recipes on a weekly basis so you don't end up getting bored. Um, and and it links to Instacart. And it links which is to Instacart or I... Amazon Prime. Okay, so what if you are a family? Yeah, if you're a family, we build in your family members. Okay. So like for this particular lady, she had a husband and two sons or three sons. Um, so we built in her husband and three sons, but the main theme of the diet was built to her. So they would also um, be, you know, they're going to be on an iron rich diet too. Okay. Yeah. I need to uh, maybe do that. Yeah. We really should set you up yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really great. It's nice. I mean, there are weeks that I use it and weeks that I don't because I have my, you know, family favorites that we love, but it's really nice. Um, like for example, coming home from vacation, I was on the airplane, like planning out my menu for uh, the week and then it-, it linked and it's delivered right when we get home. Yeah, I know. It's, it's life's 2000, so simple these yeah, days. It's 2020. Why aren't we all doing that? <laughs> exactly. Where do you get your groceries from? All over. That's the nice thing about Instacart. Can um, you, it's is, almost there's anywhere. like 15 different stores. Yeah, choose. Kroger, Meyer. And then um, what's the delivery fee? There is not a delivery fee if you're an Instacart. If you have the membership. Oh, it's Instacart. Yeah. You have a mm-hmm. membership. Okay. So yeah, so I don't have a delivery fee. Um, sometimes Man. Costco has an extra fee. It's worth it. It really is. I just think about the amount the of time, time and the sweat and the tears that mm-hmm. I spend at the store with my kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one kid and it's hard to take him to the store. Anytime I say anything about taking my kids to the store, without a doubt, I will get 10 comments like, <laughs> why are you still taking your kids to the store? <laughs> but honestly, sometimes it's because we just need to get out of the house, though, sure, and we an also activity. need groceries. And I'm like, well, this is going to kill an hour. So yeah, exactly. I mean, so sometimes it's like a voluntary hardship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like not totally necessary, but we're going to go ahead and do it. Right. <laughs> um, Let's 
go for it. Yeah. So there was another question submitted about nutrition for breastfeeding and marathon training. Um, and I love this question. Yeah. I, you know, I, I only breastfed one of my babies and I did it through three marathons. So I'm, I'm a little bit familiar. It mm-hmm. feels like a long time ago, but yeah, let's I, talk about it. I think the main thing to highlight is just the overall calorie need um, of what you're going to be experiencing because of the plus 500 calories you're going to need or be utilizing from your body for breastfeeding. And then we also add in your additional training calories. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is definitely a time where hunger is going to greatly increase. So some tips and tricks to keep you sane during that time as you're dealing with this never ending hunger would be definitely um, frequent snacks. Mm -hmm. So always having your three large meals present and then lots of snack, easy snacks handy and making sure those snacks are nutrient dense, Mm. right? So having carrots as a snack isn't super, it's nutrition and nutrient, um, like high in nutritional value, but not high in calories. And when you've got an extra thousand calories that you need from simply training and breastfeeding, um, we need to really pack that nutrition in with extra calories. So combining your carrots with hummus or carrots with guacamole um, or making like little energy balls that are with peanut butter and oats and chia seeds and flax seeds and um, uh, what was, yeah, there was dates. Dates. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one. Those together. There was another nutrient that I used in my energy balls when I was breastfeeding. We should put. Let's give everybody in the show notes a link to some some to recipes and energy balls. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, I remember breastfeeding though, and I'm only saying this so that um, if you are in this position that you that you don't feel like guilt about this. Yes, all those things are great, but like also sometimes if you just like are breastfeeding at two in the morning and you're really tired and hungry and you want some Oreos, eat eat the Oreos. Absolutely, calories. Yeah, is really what you need at that I, time. Because I remember like just eating Oreos at two in the morning, yeah. like so tired and like crying, like oh my gosh, I'm never gonna <laughs> sleep again. But we're talking, and just like with everything else we're talking about, we're talking about like the majority of your time. Exactly, yeah. you're not eating Oreos at two a.m. every single day, right? So. Give yourself um, yeah, a pat on the back and get some Oreos and milk. Yeah. And go back to bed. <laughs> Hopefully you get to go and back cry to bed. cry <laughs> if you need to cry. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I think just the biggest thing to recognize is just the um, sheer amount of calories that you're expending from breastfeeding and in addition to your training. So you're definitely going to be dealing with that increased hunger um, and making sure that you're just well prepared. Um which may be hard to do because you're dealing with, you know, a new baby and maybe going back to work and also training. So if you can, you know, have cliff bars, like more nutrient dense things, um, you know, in the car or in your book bag, um, that will just make your life a little bit easier and, and ward off that hangry from creeping in. And if you're making time to train, if you can do all those things, you can make time to plan. Exactly. And if you can't, maybe we should pull back a little bit on right. the training. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And add in a little bit more nutrition support. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I always say if you really want to do something, mm-hmm. you make time for it, but you need to make time to prep for it too. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking about a lot yesterday is um, since Sunday was my long run, yesterday was my off day and <clears throat> it was my meal prep day. Yeah. So Sunday I was just... Number one, it was 60 degrees. So I was not going to meal oh, prep on a 60 so degree nice. Indiana day. No. <laughs> so, beginning of March. 
Um, so I was outside all day. I did my long run. I did a bike ride with Augie to the park. Like it was just so amazing. So yesterday ended up being, you know, get meals for mm. the week done on a Monday. Exactly. So yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, you have to pull back and utilize your rest periods to prep in other ways so that you can fully support your training with your nutrition. Yeah, nothing says hungry like breastfeeding and training for a marathon at the same time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I've ever been so hungry in my entire life. Uh, where did you want to hit next? I think so. One of the themes that it kind of goes off of hungry uh, is this word that one of uh, my athletes who actually was a recommendation from this podcast. Oh, mm-hmm, hello. Um, she emailed me and said, I feel rungry mm-hmm. this week. And I'd never heard the word rungry, uh-huh. but I loved we've that. We've got rungry, we've got hangry. <laughs> I loved it because it is, it's just the definition of increase in training equals an increase in hunger mm-hmm. and an increase in nutrient needs and calorie needs. And it it seemed like it was something that was just weighing on her and that was just a little bit confusing Mm -hmm. so um so that's just been a theme this week on instagram is do you feel rungry when your um, training is increasing as you're getting ready for a marathon or half marathon and is that something that stresses you out or is it something that you kind of lean into and are excited about and we're gonna eat more exactly exactly so i did a poll on instagram and asked that and the majority of the responses that I got was that it was very stressful. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Stressful. Um, and then I, and then I added a second question and asked, you know, what, why does this stress you out? Does it stress you out because you have to meal prep for a whole day in order to have enough food? Mm-hmm. Um, does mm-hmm. it stress you out because you get bored with food? Um, you know, what is that that is weighing on you? And a lot of it was weight gain was what really? the responses were. So I think that's something just to reflect on. Like, why are why are you a runner? You know, are you a runner because you're trying to change your body, or are you a runner because um, you're trying to challenge yourself? And I get it though too, though, because it's hard because people probably think if I gain weight, I can't run as fast. And Mm -hmm. gosh, you just hate to even be thinking about those things. But I get why your your brain might go there. Mm -hmm. Or I think there are times where they yeah, they feel that rungry and it feels out of control. It feels so like they, they think they overeat. Mm-hmm. They eat more than they actually mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple people that submitted that, that they said, I felt like I ate to the point of being too full. Mm. Whereas during t- normal times, I wouldn't do that. I'd be more conscious of my feeling mm-hmm. and how my body felt. So I think, um, you know, I think we just need to plan like, you know, what yeah. your training schedule looks like. Yeah. You know, when that increase in mile is mileage is going to occur. So I think being aware that you're going to have an increase in hunger um, and then packing more snacks, building in larger meals. You know, I yeah. mean, you can't expect to eat the same meal when you are running 10 miles per week to the same meal when you're running 40 miles per week. Um, so increase in calories, um, increase in snacks being prepared can help alleviate some of that. Oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. I can't focus right now. Um, but also something to be aware of is that uh, what a, what's occurring in your body as you're putting your body through all of this stress. So after a really long run, 
I will say that <laughs> I um, have really just started training <laughs> for the mini. Uh -oh. so, well, I, I'm always in a training. You're right? always and exercising. I'm a, yes. So I'm, I'm always in the shape to What's run. What's your long run at? Yeah. Well, that was the thing. I've always, I'm always in the shape to run four or five miles. Yeah. Um, but you can no. build that long run up pretty quick if that's your base. Then. Right. So I ran eight last weekend. Oh, you're good. And I was sore yesterday. Okay. Sore. And I think that's something, again, to be aware of and why we shouldn't be focusing on weight. Mm -hmm. Because when you're sore, your body is retaining fluid to help heal your muscles. So if I were to weigh myself yesterday, mm. I would have noticed an increase in weight. And that might have been something that really stressed me out. Because your muscles are retaining fluid. Mm -hmm, okay. To help heal all of the damage that I did from that eight mile run. Write that down, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> because my muscles are recovering, right? They're, they are using that day and those, yeah, they're recovering from all the damage that I did. So that's what we experience in soreness. Um, but you're going to retain a little bit of fluid. So if I would have stepped on the scale, I would have noticed an increase in, in the weight which if, you know, I'm afraid of gaining weight, that would have been something that would have really, you know, impacted me um, and maybe altered the amount of nutrition I gave myself on a day where I'm supposed to be recovering from an eight mile run. Right. You need. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just I think that just really shows how we should just kind of set the scale to the side and try to really train for a marathon, only focusing on how we feel, mm -hmm. how our training feels, how our body feels, um, making sure our nutrition is in line, uh, making sure that we're answering our hunger and our fullness, um, and not worry about the weight. I agree. Because I you mean, could be limiting yeah. muscle adaptation. Um, yeah, you're, you're limiting your strengths, right? And you can generally feel... Like you can feel if your body's in a right place, mm -hmm. in a good place, a mm -hmm. good, healthy place. I just know. And also, not to mention as females, your weight fluctuates with your cycle. Exactly. I mean, the entire week before I get my period, I'm just like, mm -hmm. you know, and I just know I'm going to feel that way mm -hmm. too. Um, even more reason to read Stacy Sims book. I know because I know she gives yeah. uh, suggestions on what to eat based mm -hmm. on where you are in your cycle. Yep. And I mentioned it in the last podcast, but that fitter woman app, oh, okay. um, Stacy Sims contributes to that. app. Oh yes. You did. So mention that. there's also like nutrients that you should have during those weeks and exercises, um, that you should be doing during those weeks based on our hormone cycle. It's, 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 yeah. Enlightening. It's, it, it's amazing. It's a big deal. It is. And we like to just brush it off because mm -hmm. we don't want to think about mm -hmm. it. But Or we like to think like, you know, we're, I think we should try to shift into the mindset of not comparing ourselves to men. You know, yes. if, if your husband's your training partner or if, you know, that's just what you're used to doing, I can, I can do it just like he can. Like that's not how our bodies respond. So, you know, shifting and really diving into what that app says on when our hard weight sessions should be, mm. the nutrients that we need during that time. Fitter woman. Mm -hmm, fitter woman. It's, I, I need to spend more time on that it. app, but what I have experienced so far has been really awesome. Yeah. And that's another thing, and this isn't necessarily mm. nutrition related, but I know that the week before I start my period, like my speed work is not going to be as successful as far as speed. It's not going to be as fast. 
But if I'm focusing my training on effort-based training, as if as long as I'm working hard and I'm mm-hmm. putting that work in, it really shouldn't matter. So I we feel, have to give ourselves grace. Absolutely. Well, I also feel like that's the exact thing that I'm trying to hit with my athletes when it comes to counting calories or weight. Because mm-hmm. what you just said was I am basing my success that day on my effort and not on the time. Right. Right. So I'm trying to help athletes shift their success of nutrition to fueling their body and what their body's asking it for and not counting a calorie. Right. Mm -hmm. That numerical, the time or the counting the calorie to me, I think is the same. And we're trying to shift it to that inward effort based listening to your intuitive eater, um, intuitive eating. Where journaling will really help as well. For both a training, training and food. Journal. I know I need I need to really create a training journal. Let's do it together. I, I would love I want to do it anyway. Yes. Let's we can do, do it. a nutrition. Yes. Okay, we're doing it. <laughs> Entrepreneurs working yes. together. Here we are. I really want to. Agree. Okay. All right. We just we have to hire yep. a graphic designer though. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> um all right. Well we let's we have time for like one more topic, I would say. So what do you think as far as people submitting questions on Instagram? Um, would probably be most important to cover and Mm -hmm. we can always do another episode Mm -hmm. as well well this is just kind of you know really from the last topic that we were talking about one of the other questions was how many calories from running should I replace in my nutrition so Uh, like if you ran and you mm -hmm. burned 600 calories how much should you replace exactly okay Mm -hmm. so again I think this is a time where I would recommend um, intuitive eating yeah. and list like what is your body telling you? Yeah. Um, so if we want to just talk numbers, you know, Sunday I burned like 2,700 calories with your run plus with my run plus around. my bike because it was 60 degrees in yeah. Indiana in March. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going until I until I right. drop. I'm not coming back inside. <laughs> and then and then yesterday I didn't work out at all. Yeah. So if I'm simply replacing my calories, right, my stomach likely wouldn't have been able to handle that many calories on Sunday and like your normal intake plus the 2700 exactly but I was more hungry yesterday on a rest day so I had to be comfortable knowing like I'm not using calories Mm. to determine when I'm fueling I'm simply listening to my hunger so on my rest day my hunger increased because of what mm-hmm. I had done yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, again, the, the easiest way to do it, but it's also the most accurate way to do mm-hmm. it is to learn the tools to internally adjust your nutrition without counting calories. So we have a runner's course that yes. is currently in the second week. So that's actually the topic that we're talking about this week is intuitive eating. Um, I'm launching it again May 4th will be the start of the second runner's course. And how are they eight weeks? They're, it's seven weeks of topics. And then for this specific one, I built in two weeks of practice leading into the mini. Okay. Um, so it's seven weeks of topics. And then with each week, you get a video, um, a handout, and tons of worksheets to help you work through the topics. Um, so by the end of the seven weeks, you've got like this full workbook um, to be able to reference information on and and to have the tools to learn about building your plate, learn about intuitive eating, learn about what we should be eating pre-run, post-run, how to put it all together in a fueling schedule. Um, yeah, it's it's going really well and I'm just really excited to 
get that information out um, and provide that resource. Yeah. And so it starts again in May, which is good timing because then people will be, well, I mean, people are going to start training for fall marathons probably in June or July, but if they can get ahead of their nutrition before it. Absolutely. And if you're not training this year, it's, I mean, it's really for everyone. If you're a runner um, or someone who's just being active, um, it's, it's just really good nutrition. It is focused more to get you ready for race day though as well. That's awesome. I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, okay. Well, I think that we'll wrap with this and we'll probably do another podcast where people can submit more questions. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest takeaway for me here is, is listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Listen to your body and use a training journal. Use a training <laughs> journal that we are going to create. Exactly. I just want to. All right. Cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And thank you, Anna, for coming on the show Absolutely. again. And I look forward to continued partnerships. Sounds great. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Anna, for coming on the show. You all can follow Anna on Instagram. She's Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition. You can also find St. Vincent on Instagram. They are defining sports over there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Definitely go join that group because we've got a great community of people supporting one another over there. Links to all of that will be in the show notes of this episode. You can also find bonus episodes for me over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. I had an episode with my husband, Glenn, that just came out over there two weeks ago. And then I'm recording an episode with Lauren Flores tomorrow. And we'll round out the March episodes with another episode with my husband, Glenn. So three bonus episodes in the month of March if you're looking for extra content. For as little as 3 or $5 a month, you can support the show and get access to that over there. All right, friends. Hope you're having a great day. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this with your friends and have a great rest of your day. We'll see you Friday.